again, thanks to Cry Malt, this is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News, and as ever, joined by my good friend, colleague, and all-round good beer guy, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. Good to be back. Man, a few words. We've got plenty to, plenty to get through today, so I thought we'll neither dilly nor dally. We do have plenty to get through. Uh, now, Prof, Ed, tried any new beers this week? Uh, I did. I did try a couple, and I'm going to make mention of one because it's one that... No, actually, I didn't bag uh, because you weren't here. It didn't get. It, we I recorded it with James, and it didn't get up. Um, but I think I think you and I uh, discussed while I was up in Brisbane for the Ecker. We noticed uh, Struman's organic beer. Yes, had uh, had launched exclusive to uh, the Woolworths Group, and I, I guess we were a little bit sceptical. Um, and the two things, the the two triggers, I guess that. Uh, alerted me to um, to what might be uh, inverted commas wrong with this beer um, was the fact that one was a dry style and the other was a premium lager, and those two kind of catchphrases, I guess, always scare me a little bit uh, because I look at who I think that um, that, that is being aimed at. Yeah, exactly. So I wasn't overly, you know, sort of. But I thought, no, well, you know, you, you don't don't you can something unless you've unless you've tried it. So I tried it, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, not, it, it's not a flavour bomb. It's not um, particularly, uh, you know, I don't know. Th- th- there's nothing special about it. Uh, but it was a very well produced beer. I'm pretty sure out of Brewpack. Um, so our good friends at Brewpack, which is, I guess, what what you would expect. Um, but uh, very serviceable beer, so I thought I'd better mention that since I not not that I chit can it, but that I, I it was better than I expected. Nice one, nice one. Well, I was uh, down at Port Macquarie on the weekend uh, doing a tasting as part of the tasting on Hastings um, at the Latin Loafer. Fantastic! If you're ever in Port Macquarie, head down to the Latin Loafer. They make just superb uh, uh, South American style tapas. Um, the ceviche is particularly good. Um, but I was also down there and on the Sunday caught up with. Uh, the guys from Little Brewing Company um, caught up with a brewery that I hadn't really heard too much, if at all, about, uh, which was more beer. Um, Ryan making his beers at uh, Hope Estate. Um, so he's got Matt. Uh, Is that M O I R? M O O R E. All right. M- so yeah. Ryan Ryan Moore. I'd, I'd, I'd forgotten uh, until we started talking about it that. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that I'm remembering his name correctly and also Alistair from Black Duck Brewery so I got to try some of the uh the local beers down there the um the little brewing company the beers as always were just rock solid um and the yeah it was, it was great to try the beers from uh, more brewing um who are about to put in a brewery opposite um in the industrial estate opposite little brewing company um so there'll be a little bit of a craft beer precinct and uh also, the black duck beers were tasting very nice, and he's also making some uh, gin and some vodka, um, which is interesting. And actually, it was a very nice gin. Seeing more and more yeah, uh, well, after, after we after we speak to our guests, we should uh, make a note um, to perhaps talk about you know the possibility of precinct. So that's a really good kind of you know interesting that um, you're getting. Whereas other businesses or industries might see that as competition, um, it's it's good to bring people to a, I guess, to a new um, location or a new region. And give them something new, with more than one opportunity or one, one more than one offering. I'll just make a note. Yeah, make a note. Um, another news, Prof. You mentioned uh, just before we went to air that you'd read a story in which uh, Carlos de Brito, the head of Mega Brew, Mega Corp, Anheuser Busch, InBev, uh, suggested that beer drinkers may not be, you know, may be a little bit over all of this choice. Yeah, is he suggesting perhaps that we're overwhelmed with choice, or that really we just want more of the same? Ooh, I, I don't know. We, we both were frantically looking for the article that had come through our Facebook feed, um, and we we couldn't find it. But look, I, I, I he's created a lot of uh, comments, and Stephen Beaumont, um, the Canadian beer writer, a friend of the show, um, you know, made the comment uh, on Twitter that he possibly didn't agree with that. I actually, you know, it's something that I have been watching for a while, Prof. I think that, you know, and actually I alluded to it when I was in um, Italy, that, you know, walk into a bar that's got 30 beers on tap, none of which you recognise, it can be a little bit overwhelming. 
Um, and you, you do see it you know, when you're in uh, bars, people walk in, there may be four or five craft beers on tap and then you know a couple of the, the, the classics. Um, you, you see them walk in and you know, the, the eyes flip left to right trying to work out something they recognise and then they dive down the hole that, that they feel safe and maybe order the Heineken or the Prony. Um, yet if, uh, you know, if you're not aware and you're not in the craft beer world, um, sometimes there's security in what you know. Um, yep, yep, and it does it does show it highlights how important brand recognition is. How how having a, a strong and I guess unambiguous brand um, can often can often help or, or, or break down that first barrier. It'll get people to at least come up. Oh, okay, there's something there that I I'm familiar with, even yeah. if they don't know you know what what the style is. They go, okay, I know that brand. Yeah, but I mean, I even find myself um, these days, you know, every now and then walking into a bottle shop, seeing a range of beers that I've never tried before and, you know, only vaguely know of it and think, and, and, and catch myself thinking, you know, $9, what what if it's another, you know, subpar beer? Um, you know, there are, there are a lot of beers that are, you know, big and bold and brash, but don't necessarily... You know, aren't good, aren't great beers, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, and and you sort of do get that little bit of, you know, do I do I want to risk it? Well, that's why you go to a, a reputable um, bar that I guess you know, one that we would recommend here on Brews News, um, because you know they'll give you a bit of a squirt uh, to taste it before. You know, oh, well, they, they will, but if you're a bottle shop, for example. Ah, um, oh, yes, yeah. So you know, and bottle shops tend to have a broader selection because most venues don't have. You know, seventy taps, which is perhaps you could, perhaps you could Google the brand on you know either Australian Brews News or our friends over at the Crafty Pint or something like that, and uh, and, and get a bit of an idea of what it you know you what the beer can, might taste but like. Then again, you know it, it's one of those things that when you jump on the rating sites, uh, you know it, it, it's sometimes um, yeah, you look for trends. You, 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 discount the top one, discount the bottom one, and then just have a look for you know the, the middle ground. But even so, I find that there's a lot of, you know, some breweries just have, you know, hype in abundance um, more than they probably should. But <laughs> yeah, anyway. very possible. But along the same, uh, along the same lines, uh, there was an article on Thrillist, um, an interview with Anthony Bourdain, the chef. Uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, his work. Um, and I know same. that he's upset a lot of uh, people in the restaurant biz over the years. Um, so... It probably shouldn't surprise us that he that when he comments on things like beer, he might say some things that upset a lot of people as well. And of course, he has. Um, and the, the question was: I read somewhere that based on some drinking on the show, you were getting flamed online from beer snobs. Does that happen often? A lot. I would say that the angriest critiques I get from people about shows when I'm drinking, whenever convenient, cold beer is available in a in a particular place, not drinking the best beer out there. You know. I haven't made the effort to walk down the street 10 blocks to the microbrewery where they're making some fucking Mumford and Sons IPA. People get all bent about it. But look, I like cold beer and I like to have a good time. I don't like to talk about beer, honestly. I don't like to talk about wine. I like to drink beer. If you bring me a really good one, a craft beer, I'll enjoy it and say so, but I'm not going to analyze it. I was in San Francisco and I was desperate for beer and walked into this place. I thought it was an old bar and I sat down and I looked up and I noticed there was a wide selection of beers I'd never heard of, which is fine. Okay, I'm in some sort of brew pub. What's good? But I looked around. The entire place was filled with people sitting there with five small glasses in front of them filled with different beers taking notes. That's not a bar. That is a fucking invasion of the body snatchers. That is wrong. This is not what a bar is about. A bar is to go and get a little bit buzzed and pleasantly derange the senses and have a good time, interact with other people or make bad decisions or feel bad about your life. It's not there to sit there fucking analysing beer. It's anti-ethical. Um, and over to you, listeners. Discuss. Yeah, discuss. So have you got anything to say about that, Prof? I think, he's got, I think he makes a very good point. Um, I think it's just as bad to be a beer snob as it is to be a beer yob. Uh, and I've said that before. And... Yeah, sometimes just, you know, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with kind of thing. Um, and, and when in Rome, all those sorts of cliches. Uh, look, I, I don't agree to a, to, to a point. Um, and I'm guilty of being the same with wine. You know, it just it has no interest to me. It just doesn't do it for me. Um, I guess I have enough 
tools in the toolbox now that I can enjoy beer on different levels and certainly in a different way to that which I did, you know, when I was younger and got my drinker's licence. Um, but, you know, there wasn't the choice back then. Now there is. Um, so I think there's still a time for, yeah, not, not so much over-analysis. Over um, and certainly if you're in company, it, it's like everyone getting together um, to have a, a special night out and then all sitting with your heads in your phones. Yes. Um, I think sometimes just drink, just, you know, just be like Abe Simpson and just eat the goddamn orange. <laughs> and, and, and as I've said ad infinitum, sort of, you know, week when I feel that beer has become like those nights out at a restaurant where you've got that one friend who is the wine expert and everyone just passes the wine list down to him and doesn't order what they might actually want lest they be judged. Um, you know, it, it's it's a hedonistic pursuit, not an intellectual one. Um, and I think you can over-intellectualise it when you should just be enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. And if you're worried about what other people think about what you're drinking, then you're possibly in the wrong company. You might be doing and it if it's wrong. Only, if, and if, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And if, there, if there's only one peanut who keeps doing that, here's the tip. Stop inviting him. <laughs> or her. Sorry, did I just assume his gender? Oh, mate. Yeah, the, anyway, we'll, we'll get letters. I'll forward them to you. Anthony Bourdain, I guess we talked about him. I can't remember. I've got a note written here for some reason to, yeah, but we've mentioned Anthony Bourdain now. All right. Anything else? Who are we talking to today, Prof? News, I think. Who are we talking today to? Today we are talking to Steve Sir Hendo Henderson, or better known as Hendo, uh, although I did get to meet Hendo's father, who introduced himself to me as Hendo, the original <laughs> Hendo. But, oh, okay. Smack down your son. Um so, so, yeah, so, uh, so do we have to start calling to Hendo, Hendo Jr. from now on? Yeah, well, very possibly. Uh, at least at least while John's around. Sorry, not John, it's Hendo. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're going to talk to Hendo uh, about some plans that he's got, which I think uh, our listeners will find very exciting, interesting, and of great value. And as always, we started uh, the interview, and I just realised that we didn't, because we've already recorded this, but we started by asking Hendo who is Steve Henderson, but we forgot to ask him Pacey's poser. We might have to uh, fire that off. But anyway, we, we did start by asking him, who is Steve Henderson? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I am... Uh, Steve Henderson is my alter ego. I'm actually Hendo. Uh, and I am uh, one of the partners of Brewcop. Partners, because uh, I mean, you are the face, the, the bald head behind uh, Brucal. Um, who, who else is involved? Uh, so my, um, well, we've actually got, a, it's really good now. We've got a growing team. So um, uh, my business partner is uh, Troy Taylor and um, uh, a few of you, your uh, listeners might know him. He was the gentleman who started uh, the Poorhouse Craft Beer Bar up in Maitland in New South Wales. Um, and so he started that pub, rebuilt it after it was closed for like 20 odd years, um, built the business up, sold it, was looking for another venture in craft beer. And, uh, we, uh, had a conversation and, um, it was quite a, quite a fruitful conversation. And, uh, now he's a, he's a stakeholder in Brewcult. Before you came to Brewcult, you've obviously, uh, you worked for a couple of breweries. We spoke to you last, I think when you were, when you Head brewer at Southern Bay. Yep, that's right. Yep. But before that, you worked at Prickly Moses uh, with Luke down there, and uh, you, you've done a couple of other tours of duty at other breweries. Tell us how you came to brewing in the first place. Um, so I um, studied the graduate certificate in brewing at uh, University of Ballarat, now known as Federation University. Um, and I was sort of doing that externally whilst I was still an IT engineer. And, um, uh, and then I decided I'd get out of IT. And so I went and spent a year with my brother, Ian, and was making vinegar for a year, a uh, year or so, uh, up in the granite belt up in Queensland. And There's a few then, brewers who are still doing that. What's that, making, making vinegar? Or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, making vinegar. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, and then, um, uh, and then uh, decided I'd finish my degree and and start uh, start become a professional brewer. So, um, yeah, I've I've worked uh, quite extensively with 
a number of brands uh, in the industry, um, but the ones that I've sort of worked for myself uh, would be uh, Pretty Moses, Southern Bay, and then starting Brewcolt. So yeah, but if I if if I, I I don't think I could name the dozens and dozens of of brewers and brands that I've been associated with over over the over the years. You know, a lot of that's come through the the contract brewing thing at Southern Bay, and um, um, I, I still I still uh, run the um, Brownstone Microbrewery down at the Atura Hotel in uh, Dandenong. Um, and, um, I find that's a really good training, uh, facility. So I've got, um, uh, Ben Hetherington, who's brewing for me down there at the moment and uh, he's doing really good and yeah, it's pretty good. But just to, to take a bit of a sideways step, you, you had a background in IT. I, I've noticed over the years, and I've remarked over the years that there seems to be an inordinate number of people coming out of the world of, uh, IT and engineering, um, setting up breweries. Is, is that something you've noticed? And is there any reason behind that? Do you think? Yeah, I, I've I've noticed that trend, and and um, uh, yeah, absolutely right. I think you know, um, I think I heard someone say once that all brewers are engineers, and um, you know, I can't speak for all of the other sort of former engineers that have become brewers. Um, but I know for myself, you know, coming from an engineering background and, you know, what I sort of, what made me sort of leave IT was when you're doing engineering, um, you know, it's very sort of analytical and process thinking, um, you know, a lot of problem solving and it's still like that in brewing. And I, and I do enjoy that aspect of things, you know, um, but with brewing, you get the, um, the, the, the added sort of pleasure of, of the sort of creative, I don't know if it's your left or your right brain, but the creative aspect of it where I can go, you know, what colours can I create, what flavours and aromas can I create? And it's, um, it's not, um, it's, it's, the, it's the polar opposite of, of, of being an analytical or doing an analytical job. I still love, you know, um, the analytical side of brewing, you know, I get to do pumps and pipes and pressures and temperatures and microbiology and um, all that sort of stuff, which I find fascinating, but I really like the creative aspect as well. So um, I suppose it brings a bit of Zen balance. <laughs> to you, your could probably argue, you could probably argue too, Hendo, that um, at least if, when you're brewing, uh, when somebody else does take your job, it's more likely to be somebody local. Um, whereas, if, whereas if you stay in IT, you know, long enough, You'll end oh, up yeah. handing your job over to somebody offshore. So, oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, um, I, I suppose, yeah, you can't, can't really be outsourced um, without sort of you can't outsource a brewer without taking away um, the um, the benefits that you get, the, the massive benefits you get from being local and and um, living and and drinking a product close to your 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 own brewery in your own town if if that's what work that's what's working really well in this industry so yeah and while we're talking about um it we probably should also give a shout out to uh the the brewery where you're doing a lot of your brewing at the moment for those who, who don't know uh not only are you um a gypsy brewer but you are the current australian champion gypsy brewer at the right. AIBAs. It's, yeah it's pretty cool hey <laughs> yeah. i still and so of course them. Of course, phrase at, at exit, ex, exit being you know X I T, X a couple of I T guys as well, and you're you're doing a bit of brewing with them. So, um, so the the we have a really interesting arrangement. I I, I really love it at the moment. Um, so, uh, quite recently, so the the with the brewery that we brew out of at the moment, we call Dandy South Massive. Okay, and so. Um, it's it's really just a name for the brewery, um, and the, the current setup is is that um, the stakeholders in that brewery, in those that premises and the equipment, is uh, Kaiju Beer um, and Exit Brewing. Um, so they the, between them they effectively uh, own the brewery, um, and Nat from Kaiju and Grum from Exit they're working on the floor on the brewery, uh, doing all of the day to day production. Um, the brewery um, only came online, uh, I think we're just on a year ago. I think the first beer came out of there in November last year. 
um, it's an amazing brewery. It's 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 real sort of it's all a lot of the the kit when we first started was all Italian kit, so it's like it's like driving a Ferrari, and um, um, and so you know after a, a works is uh, you and exit uh, the stakeholders in the brewery, and um, and I sort of act as the um, production manager there, so uh, I really. <laughs> I don't get to work on the floor, but uh, um, but that's why I go and do the brewing over at the uh, Brownstone Brewery, so I can actually get my hands, get on the tools. Um, and so uh, what I do is I do things like the production planning, procurement, um, uh, as much as possible within the bounds of the limited amount of time that I've got, especially at the moment. Um, and Nat and Grum do an amazing job uh, on the floor because, you know, as is with any brewery, there's always teething problems with it. And, um, you know, they've worked really hard to get some really good product outcomes. Um, you know, and case in point is what happened with the um, with the Champion Gypsy Brewer Award thing at the ARBA. So we did, um, you know, um, we had a few quality issues sort of in the first quarter of uh, this year. Um, and a lot of it was revolving around the fact that, that um, um, you know, Nat in particular didn't have enough time and, you know, troubleshooting problems in order to, say, to, to take on an overseeing role. And he wanted to focus on those things. And so I sort of stepped in in about March or April um, and I just took on, we put in some really basic quality management, you know, um, um, uh, you know, SOPs, uh, procedures, and we did a little bit of basic um, scheduling, production scheduling, and um, um, pretty much within six weeks, we sort of doubled the the output of the of the brewery on a month to month basis. But then we also did um, batches of thanks, Captain Obvious, and, uh, and Cthulhu on the Moon, which both went on to win uh, gold medals at the ARBA. So um, you know, we we had a really quick and really fruitful sort of outcome there, um, you know, with with what we were doing. And so, yeah, we decided that we would um, sort of continue on with that and that's kind of how it operates today. With that, Hendo, um, in terms of the, I guess that, that business model, is that the way forward for craft beer, do you think, in this country? Because when you look at it, there are lots of breweries opening up. You've effectively got three breweries all sharing the same equipment, mm -hmm. which, you know, who in another, um, uh, you know, situation would all have their own kit to still produce, I guess, you know, it, it, in the initial stages at least, the same amount of beer. Is this, a, is this the way forward, do you think, to, to, for sort of, I guess, sharing of, of, um, of kit? Yeah, look, this is really the, the second iteration of... Um, Kaiju Exit and Brewcult working together. Uh, we were all under the one roof when we were over at um, uh, Cavalier, but it was a very different uh, model uh, where we each had our own tanks and we all did our own brewing and we all did our own packaging and it was very separate. And um, when um, when we started um, things down, at, when, when Kaiju and Exit started things down at Dandy South Massive, you know, they decided that it was going to be a little bit more of a, a close knit, um, um, you know, a close, closer knit um, arrangement. Um, and then when I needed um, production capacity and I got in touch with them, um, you know, we sort of decided not to operate the as, as separate, you know, completely separate entities whilst under the, under the roof of the, you know, of the, the four, whilst within the four walls of the brewery. Um, and so what happens is um, by collaborating on um, things like um, um, standard operating procedures, um, procurement, uh, on quality management, um, what happens is we're able to, to um, uh, improve everybody's product that comes out of that, uh, out of Dandy South Massive. Um, and um, uh, we're also able to, um, you know, we, we actually uh, in the early stages of starting to go to suppliers now um, and um, group buy, and that gives us a, um, a price benefit so we can actually sort of be more competitive 
in in a in a growing marketplace. And you've also, whilst you are in partnership with your brewery, you've uh, just in the final throes of opening a, a venue that is going to be your consumer-facing home. Yeah, so it's very exciting. Uh, we are um, a day, uh, well, a week and one day, eight days away from opening Brewcult Bar, which is going to be at 581 Sydney Road in Brunswick in Melbourne. Um, and it's very exciting. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that um, that Brewcott Bar is Australia's first gypsy brewer bar. Um, and, you know, um, at Brewcott, we're pretty proud of our gypsy brewer heritage. Um, we don't have any plans to change it. Um, and, you know, we're not in, in the, the phase right now within the business of, of building a brewery. Um, but we did want to have... Um, you know, a customer-facing venue where, you know, um, we could we could solve that problem of people coming up to um, myself or, or or Troy and and saying, hey, where can I try all the beers? And we never had an answer to that because we don't have anywhere either on you know on tap or even a bottle shop that actually has all the beers. Um, and so we've we've solved that by creating our own. And so. Uh, Brewcott Bar is primarily going to be a um, uh, a space where people can um, uh, touch with the the brand. It's um, it's mainly for locals, um, and we. But you know, at the same time, if you're a seasoned beer geek, um, you know, there's something there for you as well. Um, we've got um, uh, ten. We've just installed a ten tap draft system. Um, which is pretty cool. Um, and so we'll have the four uh, Brewcock core range beers, uh, one or maybe two of the seasonals um, that um, uh, that uh, we might happen to have out at any one time, uh, which means we'll have at least three or sometimes four guest taps um, and, uh, and a uh, cider tap and then bottles and then, you know, um, Pull out bottles as well and things that, that complement sort of what's on tap. So I guess what we're thinking with regards to the, the beer offering is we want it to be best of breed. Um, we've got a really good core range that's really sessionable and approachable. Um, we'll have guest taps which sort of which sort of will fill gaps where Brewcock doesn't uh, sit at any time. Um, and then the, the the bottle list, for example, will sort of, you know, head off into other styles, maybe Belgians, maybe big stouts, um, maybe Rodenback tinnies because they're pretty cool. And um, uh, and then, you know, but for example, in the in the bottle um, selection, we, 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 unless it's, um, you know, super fresh and awesome, um, we probably wouldn't put like an IPA or a double IPA in the fridge. Um, and have it sit there and age. Uh, so we'll just do the things that will age well in our fridge um, or keep well. And uh, yeah, and then we'll have a pretty pretty basic food offering. Um, so we're it, it's pretty cool actually. It's just beer food. We're just going to be doing uh, pizza, wings, chips, all that sort of thing. Um, and um, it's got a really rad beer garden out the back and it's got a great function space upstairs. So it's a cool place. I was just going to say, Matt, for uh, perhaps for your Brisbane listeners, um, if you think kind of the, 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 uh, the warm, but um, I guess kind of rustic feel of say the mill on Constance um, in Sydney, perhaps it's a, a little bit, a lot, it's got a bit of a, a tap house vibe, uh, exposed brick and, and all that sort of thing. And, and for those in Melbourne, it's, um, it's it's one of two styles that you get in Sydney Road, I guess. Hendo in Brunswick, it's either it's, um, very it's one bright of Victorian building. So, um, the, what we're doing with the decor of it is we're we're keeping the um, the, the exposed brick, but then it's going to get overlaid with a lot of um, bright colours. So we're using a sort of corporate bright blue colour behind the bar and up in the upstairs area. And then um, we've commissioned a really awesome artist, um, Emma Livingston, um, who's she's done some of the artwork at the Scratch Bar in Brisbane, um, and um, she's done this amazing um, 
mural piece, which is going to get mounted at the end of the week. So it's about two metres tall and about five metres long. And um, so we'll, we'll we'll sort of reveal that on social media in the coming days as it, as the piece gets completed. But she's been working for weeks on that. It's been um, it's been really cool to watch that come together. Um, and uh, yeah, that's just going to make it a really cool, bright, vibrant st space, but whilst keeping with its sort of Victorian heritage. And uh, how much of the the, the the bar? You know, a lot of um, uh, gypsy brewers talk about we're going to uh, open a brewery, you know, we're going to build our own brewery. Um, and you've gone another way. You've gone uh, an outlet for your beer. How much of that, if any, um, is because you recognise that the margins that come from having your own retail space, you know, the, 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 the brew bar approach that a lot of our craft brewers are going, um, and there is increasing competition for uh, taps that you're not going to get a full showcase of your beers um, at, you know, other bars around the country. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I don't, um, 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 you know, make any secret of the fact that, you know, part of the decision for opening the bar is to actually have a retail space, which, um, you know, if 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 uh, if you draw a comparison with, with um, uh, other breweries that go and open a brew pub or a cellar door or something like that, it's a very important part of the business that helps to sustain and grow the business. Um, and we did look at opening a brew pub in Brunswick, um, in in a location not too far away from where the bar is, um, but um, because it's in a city, Melbourne. Um, the local councils tend to be very, um, it's a lot of town planning and a lot of process to build a manufacturing facility in what is normally a residential area. Uh, and the cost associated with that is quite prohibitive. We could have built a brewery out in an industrial estate and um, be making our own beer and, and probably having a, a cellar door or a brew pub, but it wouldn't have been accessible. Um, so that's why we sort of went, well, how can we best um, bring that retail space to the business um, in a way that's quite efficient in terms of getting it set up and up and running? We've only been, we've been working on this project for six months now, um, as opposed to probably over a year, 18 months, nearly two years it takes to build a brewery. And um it's it's in a location that's extremely accessible. I mean, um, we're, we've got Anstey Station on the upfield line, which is right at the back of the bar, more or less, a block away. And then we've got the number 19 tram, which goes up Sydney Road, which literally stops at the door, at the front door of the bar. Um, and I think that gives, um, you know, the punters something that's a lot more accessible than having to, um, you know, trudge all the way out to... Um, uh, you know, an industrial state somewhere that's not very well connected, may not be very well connected with public transport. You don't drive to a brewery. That's like, that's silly. <laughs> <laughs> um, is this going to be the first of many? Do you see it as being something that will expand, uh, you know, maybe a brew cult Brisbane? It's something that, it, it's certainly something that, that Troy and I have, have spoken about. Um, not at great length because we're just trying to get this bar up and running first. Um, and what we're really focusing on at the moment is, you know, firstly seeing if the format for a gypsy brewer owning a bar works and getting that format right and getting the offering right. Um, and we've got a really good uh, bar manager, Matt Hoffman, um, who is uh, ex another, another ex-Brisbaneite. I seem to be important. He's a Brisbane boy uh, from the Scratch. Yeah. He, he very, uh, very well associated with the Scratch Bar, which is one of uh, our leading bars. Yeah, yeah. So, so Matt's got a great pedigree. You know, he's um, uh, he uh, has worked at the Scratch Bar. He was the uh, manager over at the Park Hotel in Werribee. Um, he was working behind the bar um, with our good friends at Bad Shepherd down in Cheltenham, down the south side in Melbourne here. Um, and so um, he really impressed um, Troy at uh, when he come and uh, came and volunteered with um, with us and worked on the brew cult stand at Gabs earlier this year here in Melbourne. Um, and um, you know Troy said to me, "Oh, this this guy's pretty good. He's really, he relates to the to the punters really well, and and he does it in a way that 
is very welcoming and and um, and warm and funny and you know lighthearted. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what I like about him because he um, he he's just he's he's a pretty chill guy and he knows how to serve beer well and that's what we want to do in uh, and, he, and he does it in a way that's not highbrow or hoity-toity or anything like that he's and that's the vibe that we want to present with the bar um, Matt's really the key to the personality of the brand going forward because he's the person who's going to give um, the punters that that brand experience you know um, in, a, in a face-to-face way I mean up until now um, you know, Brewcult has pretty much been the Hendo show and that's about to dramatically change. And I'm really looking forward to the direction of, where, uh, of, of how the brand is going to evolve from here. Looking a little bit broader um, than the bar, what's your read of the you know, uh, direction that craft beer is headed um, or, you know, the, the beer movement is headed? Um, we've Prof and I talked in our uh, intro a little bit about some of the suggestions uh, this week that uh, consumers are being overwhelmed by choice or that bottle shop shelves are becoming a little bit too crowded um, and that we are going to see a little bit of a uh, trailing off in uh, you know, demand for, for craft beer. What's your um, feel about it? Oh, I don't think that we're going to see um, a trailing off of demand of of craft beer um i think we're going to continue to see growth here in australia um for now um i know that you know with our friends in the united states particularly with some of the bigger brewers they're going through a bit of a consolidation period uh where some of the bigger brewers um you know that have national distribution uh are being sort of um you know facing competition from the hyper local breweries um, and we're not there yet with that sort of issue, I don't think. Um, but when you talk about um, what uh, when when a market is getting crowded, I think what we as craft brewers need to do is to um, we need to sort of get back to our roots and start bringing craft beer to a broader audience. The market's getting crowded in, you know, and, and there's no there's no denying that. Um, but it's getting crowded in, in the places that are already serving craft beer. What about all the new places? What about all of the outer suburb areas? You know, like um, if I think about the, the suburbs where, um, you know, Brewcock product is distributed, it's mainly the inner northern suburbs of, um, of Melbourne with a little bit of a smattering around the rest of Melbourne, you know, um, a little bit in the west side, a little bit in the southeast. Um, you know, in Sydney, it's very... Um, it's it's a it's a it's a very broad smattering, but it seems to be focused quite heavily on um, CBD, um, um, Surrey Hills, Newtown, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, Brisbane is going through a really um, interesting phase at the moment. In fact, that's Brisbane's probably um, I think is is probably the most vibrant and 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 will sustain you know see sustained growth because you know there's craft beer bars sort of opening up all across um, the town and there's um, craft beer bottle shops opening up or, or, or um, the, the range in bottle shops is expanding and it's heading out into the suburbs and doing so at a pretty good rate. Um, so, you know, that that's that's my sort of take on it is that we need to, to, to stop trying to sell um, new breweries to the places that are already doing um craft beer and and go and find new um new customers out there they're out there they just haven't do, do you, so, so you don't see craft beer as being a uh metropolitan thing um you know it, it's it's not in there with the turmeric lattes and the you know uh things that are a little bit fashionable and uh trendy you know you it, it, if you move out of the uh, in a city, um, you don't start seeing quite the same level of uh, novelty plates, for example. You don't see the slates. You don't see the wood that are high fashion in, in the city. Did, you, you don't see craft beers fitting into some of those urban uh, trends? You, well, you hope, think that there's it, a future of it out west, you know, out in western Queensland, for example? I hope it does. Um, I hope we do get out west in western Queensland. I hope we do... Um, start to grow into um, 
you know, um, rural and regional um, Australia, um, you know, as well as the outer suburbs of the major metropolitan cities. Because at the end of the day, you know, um, uh, we're just, you know, you can't just be, we can't all be beer geeks. The people are going to have differing um, interest in craft beer, but I think um, there will always be a growing market for people who want to try good beer. And, and just on the, on, on, on the flip side, there will always be people who will just drink Carlton Draft or VB or, or Forex Gold. Um, you know, it's just going to be, if we, as long as we as brewers sort of aim to market ourselves as being accessible, um, if that's what your, um, your brand mantra is, um, then be accessible. Um, if you want to do, if you want to start a brewing company and you want to service the beer geeks, um, and the beer geeks only, and and do your um, burnt horsehair barrel aged triple IPA, then go for it. Um, but focus on your niche. Um, I mean, like the analogy I like to use is that, you know, we're all, you know, us brewers, we're all like kids playing in a sand pit, and um, the sand pit is growing in size. Um, and you can come and play. You just got to find your place in the sand pit where you're not kicking sand in other kids' faces. That's a really and good what analogy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what, what part of the sand pit is Brukelt playing in? It constantly changes. Um, Whoever will have him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, like I, I, I've pretty much remained pretty true to um, you know for the, the three and a half, nearly four years that Brukelt's been running, um, is that. Um, um, we, we, I like to, to play in the space of the beers that I like to drink. And, you know, um, I think that the people that, that identify with the Brewcop brand, um, you know, the beer geeks love it. The people that are new to craft beer find it accessible. We're not trying to, uh, we don't create a lot of um, extreme beers or only extreme beers, um, but we're not trying to convert people to off mainstream beer to craft beer either. Um, the people who identify with Brewcult, they're already drinking craft beer. We don't need to try and convert them, um, but we can sort of grab grab someone who's pretty bit of a novice in craft beer and say, hey, you know, you've, you've had that, um, that um, uh, mountain goat or the little creatures or the four pines. Hey, come and take another step along this way. Come and try this flavor or this style. And, um, you know, and that's why um, you know, we've done a few extreme beers and most of them, them have been revolved around Gab's Festival. But, you know, Brewcott's never released a double IPA. And um, um, and that's mainly because I just don't drink a lot of it, you know. Um, I, I like the style. I just don't drink a lot of double IPA. But give me something that I can – I just enjoy drinking beer by the pint with my, with my mates and – um, and that really reflects in the in the styles that Brewcult makes. Well, mate, what what's the uh, next beer that you can that you can tell us about that you will be coming from uh, Brewcult? Yeah, pretty excited to uh, we we I've just got all the uh, all the ducks lined up, so we're going to re-release Can't Fight the Funk Farmhouse IPA in it's probably going to be early December, so it'll definitely be before Christmas, and that was the first beer in the psychedelic series. Um, so it's 6.2% farmhouse IPA. We fly the yeast in from the States, especially for this beer. Um, and um, uh, it's, uh, it's it's a lot of fun to make and it's a really smashable 6.2% beer. Um, and I, I'm just, yeah, I'm stoked that we're re-releasing it. And then um, I've got a few... Um, a few tricks up my sleeve um, as soon as this uh, this bar is up and running. Um, the good thing about having having the bar is that we can start to um, increase the um, the innovation um, within Brewcult again. We we did a really good job sort of you know getting a four beer core range up and running, uh, but then that sort of made the seasonal beer um, releases slow down a bit. We're pretty happy with our core range now, so we're going to start to ramp up the seasonal releases again. Um, so, for example, um, you know, this year we've only done two new beers, that being Gingerbread Maniac and Bloodsucking Geeks, which is our Sydney Craft Beer Week collab, uh, which has only just come out. Next year I'd like to do, you know, five to ten new beers um, at least. And, you know, we'll be on a firm footing to be able to start to do that. 
I'll have to fire up my Browmaster and everything. It's going to be cool. <laughs> well, mate, we can't wait to uh, to try those and uh, look forward to getting down and checking out the uh, Brew Cult Bar in a little over a week. I look forward to um, um, for, to all the punters coming and stopping by uh, our, our bar in Brunswick and having a beer and a, some pizza or some wings and have a good time. And, um, Prof, thank you so much for your help on our Busy Bee Day last, last weekend. It was... Uh, very much appreciate. I'm very grateful. Mate, any working bee that uh, pays you in pizza and beer, um, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man. Good on you, Hendo. Good luck with it, mate. Yeah, thanks, guys. In the garden, what a garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. There you go, Steve Hindo Henderson from Brewcult. Uh, always good to chat to uh, to Hindo Prof. Yeah, it's been a little while. As I say, it's, it's been a few iterations ago, and and I just thought since uh, the last two years, I think, or at least the last uh, last year, um, the Gypsy Champion Gypsy Brewer uh, wasn't awarded. So this was this year's was the the first, um, and Hindo was lucky enough to. Oh, sorry, his beers were good enough um, that he took that and then to have this uh, next step being taken I thought it was a good opportunity to sort of um, I guess illustrate to to some of the brewers out there or more importantly to the you know potential startups people who are thinking about it um, that there's there, there's more than one way to skin a cat and I think you know we've spoken a little bit on Brews News about uh, I guess supply um, overrunning demand and I think anywhere where, and, and Hendo mentioned uh, during his chat there, uh, the Bad Shepherd, um, who have uh, linked up with um, with Wolf of the Willows, um, so sharing that equipment, sharing the logistics, and like Hendo said, you know, when you when you get smart enough, you then get big enough that you can get discounts on your raw materials and that sort of thing. Whereas the same three breweries, all operating on their own. Um, I guess chew up more resources than, than what they perhaps need to. And while some brands want to have that, uh, I guess that independence, um, with others, you know, if you can work and play together well, um, it's a it's a good model. And I just thought it was worth sharing with our listeners. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. What's I mean, what's your feeling about um, gypsy brewers and contract brewers? Because we're we're seeing you know at, at a time when there's a lot of physical breweries opening, which uh, you know, people are investing a lot of money. We're also seeing, you know, probably two for one in the uh, virtual breweries. Um, opening. World, yeah. What, what's what's your thoughts? Oh, look, I um, uh, I guess in, I, I fear for them for for many of them because I think you've really got to nail consistency and quality first of all. Um, but almost hand in hand with that, you've then also got to be heard above the noise. So your marketing, your labelling, your image, your brand, um, your story needs to be really strong. And I just, I, I worry a little bit for for some trying to, oh, look, I'm a gypsy brewer, therefore I can send my beers all over the country. And we spoke about this last podcast. I, I, I'd rather see us, like Hendo says, out here in in, um, in Melbourne, sort of southeast. There's nothing. There's a couple of bars. Um, we've got, and God love them, the, the public brewery out at Croydon. Um, but then it's sort of, you're, you're talking a 40-minute drive to, um, I guess, your, you know, your Hargraves Hills, your, um, you know, out into the into the Yarra Valley and, um, and, and for, you know, into, into your regional sort of areas. There's plenty of room out here for somebody to be doing something. Um, and I, I just think there's a lot of green space. And I, I, talking to Hendo there or listening to Hendo, I really got the impression that what's missing is we're still talking about craft beer and we're talking about why what it isn't um, it, it, and, and it's, you know, comparing it to Carlton Draft or whatever it might be. I, I think maybe we start, we need to start 
rejigging our thinking a little bit and just offering somebody a beer and just saying, what is it, mate? What kind, what, what kind of beer? Mate, it's just beer. Just try it. Um, because I think we then break down some of those misconceptions about, oh, it's craft beer, therefore it's going to be puffy, it's going to be fruity, it's going to be, you know, uh, funky and all the rest of it, and I won't get it. Um, if you just put a beer in someone's hand, say, oh, it's just a, just a pale ale, because everyone knows pale ale now. Pale ale. Yeah, pale ale, not pale ale. <laughs> Go on, what do you think? Am I being too harsh? I'm not wishing any particular ill will on any of these brands, but I think... You just need to tread carefully. No, look, I agree. You know, I think if you've got a strong brand and you're you're finding your niche, um, you know, good luck to you. I, I my fear is that you do get a lot of, and this follows a little bit on from the Anthony Bourdain um, stuff uh, that we talked about in the intro. Uh, you know, he said in one of his, I think his first book. You know, there there are a lot of people who remember to talk about. <laughs> so I'm just writing myself notes so that when we record the intro, we mention. <laughs> Got it. Oh, sorry. Giving away the magic. Um, yeah, but he he talked about the you know the uh, phenomenon of people who love to cook. They're very good. You know, they have great dinner parties, and everyone says, "Oh, you should open a restaurant." Um, and next thing, they've opened a restaurant, and and know, everything we loved about what they did gets lost. In, yeah. in the fact that you restaurant yeah. yeah and and you know it, just enjoying cooking yeah, and making right. nice food is to some Enough extent the, the, the smallest part of of what you do um and you know there, there are some and yeah so so i worry about the number of guys who think i love this home brewing everyone loves my beer i can turn this into a in, into a business um and, and the other thing is i you know and, and i raised it with hendo is that there are a whole lot of unexplored territories uh, for beer, as I said. But, you know, when you go out west uh, into to Western Queensland, um, Great Northern is the beer that they drink. You can give them some of this other stuff and it doesn't exactly fire the imagination. Um, and, and it is a, a hard sell getting these people in. And you, you do yeah. tend to see when somebody does go in and blaze a new trail... Suddenly, there's a whole lot of people coming in behind them. Um, I want to be, yeah, I want to be next. Hey, that was a great idea. I should have uh, set up there because there's obviously demand there. And next thing, you've got four or five bars. Now, sometimes that's great because you create the precinct. Sometimes it, uh, you know, almost strangles the... Um, you know, cannibalise each other. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, at as, as I said, you know... Good luck to anybody um, who, who does it, um, but I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think it, this, uh, you know, kumbaya, everything is wonderful. It's just onwards and upwards for, for beer is is the way you should be approaching it. Oh, for sure. And look, at its very essence, um, this whole craft beer thing, inverted commas, is very collaborative. It is very supportive. It, it is a very non-competitive. But when you're in a bar... Um, trying to trying to sell an account, and it's it's you versus somebody else. You're not going to back them. You've you've, you've got to you've got to back your own race, horse in the race. So, you know, when when the rubber hits the road, um, at the end of the day, you you you've got to look after your shareholders. Now, whether that's you know you and your business partner, whether it's you and your family, or uh, you know your mum and dad's money, or whatever it might be, um, you, it's just a natural thing. You got to look after yourself. So I think um, good luck to Hendo and, and his crew. He's got a great crew on board. Um, I don't know, you know, what's going on up in Brisbane at the moment, Matt, because he's, he's mural painter has come. Yeah. She's, she's from Brisbane. You got Ben Hetherington who uh, from, from the scratch, you got Matt Hoffman. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, they've done pretty well. They, well yeah. And I'm not sure what it is about Brisbane. Brisbane, you know, a lot of the beer community um, is, peopled or populated or staffed by um, some very creative types. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that has really driven Bruce Vegas. There are people, you know, from the worlds of photography, from the worlds of art, from the worlds of design um, who have been doing it. And I think, I think Brisbane, um, you know, uh, has, has a bit of a saturation point. And Melbourne is a, a bit of a mecca for people who are very creative. You've got some great creatives down there and uh, it, it, it's luring some of them away um, because, again, Melbourne just has such an exciting street culture um, for, for people who yeah, are creative. And look, and it, in, a, in, a, in a broad sort of business sense, um, looking at this particular model and, and ones like it, you've got more strings to your bow so that you, you've got your, um, your, uh, your brew pub, Model, I guess, where not that not that Hendo is going to be brewing 
uh, at the Brew Cult Bar, but he's got that consumer-facing opportunity for people to engage with his brand. He's got the, the food, so the hospitality side of things, and then back out the other end, still out at uh, the Dandenong Massive, he's still got the wholesale um, side of things. So you, 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 you continue, you have three streams to your income, but all being, I guess, run by, uh, you know, the, the same core group of, um, uh, you know, resources. Yep. Yep. So it's definitely, it'll be, we'll, we'll follow it with interest and, um, and I'm sure plenty of others who are either doing it or thinking about doing it will be watching very carefully as well. Cool. Well, mate, we might move on to very quickly cards and letters, music, Lockie. Oh, the lonely days ago. Uh, nothing uh, nothing uh, on iTunes this week. Remember, listeners, if you do like what we do, uh, you can support us in a number of ways, and one of those is jumping on iTunes, giving us a rating, and uh, letting us know what you think so other people can find us as well. Um, we had one email this week, Prof, um, from Thomas or Thomas Frederick Rowe, a.k.a. The Beer Doctor. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I enjoy listening to your podcast, especially enjoy the conversation about yeast with the founder of San Francisco Yeast Company. In three days, I turned 61 years of age, and as a long-time seeker of tasty beer over decades back to the 20th century, God, he sounds a bit like us, Prof, um, <laughs> I became quite aware a while ago that uh, beer, as Dr. Jim said, uh, when asked about science and art, involves a lot of hard work. As a beer writer, I came from the James D. Robertson, Michael Jackson School um, of approach where tasting beer was more important than any popular consensus, per tech, per, especially because when I first tasted such world famous brands as Duval, Rodenbach, and Anchor Steam, there was no internet. Do you remember those days, Prof? Uh, sure, been a long time, Tint MD. <laughs> Just some wonderful folks who contacted me through uh, mail or telephone. In the United States, I've seen beer go from imported brands that were scarce and coveted to the microbrew era of the 1990s to the myriad and sometimes crazy creations of artisan inventiveness now permeating the supermarkets and convenience stores in North America. As a beer consultant, I help bar and store owners by finding often overlooked brands that I knew about, especially uh, because I did not differentiate between craft and macro. The most important thing to me is whether a beer, whatever its style parameters, actually tastes good. Uh, thus, I've enjoyed beer from all different brewing styles. But enough of this. You can check out my thoughts on the subject at my website, beerdoctor.wordpress.com. And uh, I haven't had a chance, but I will be checking that out. Uh, keep up the good work. I enjoy listening. I'm sorry that my present economic circumstances prevents me from making a donation. With best regards, all the best, Thomas Frederick Rowe, the Beer Doctor. Um, thank you very much for emailing us, Thomas. And that brings up two things, listeners. You can let us know what you think. Correct, uh, correct us. Give us a bit of attitude adjustment or even tell us that you agree with us um, on those few occasions that you do. But you can also support us financially by clicking the links in the show notes and uh, either making a one-off donation towards the cost of the show or even make a regular donation, both of which would be very much appreciated. Um, Prof, anything in that? I, I actually really uh, liked some of the brands that um, uh, Tom Thomas, if I can, Tom, if I can get very familiar um, Duval, Rodenbach, um, you know, the, the, the classic beers that when uh, I was first getting into beer, you know, were the mark of a good bottle shop and these days don't necessarily get the love that they uh, otherwise deserve. No, no, exactly. Um, and, and Hendo, you know, just mentioned, you know, Rodenbach and Cairns, that, that, that's, a, that's a, just a, a great product. Um, Duval, as I say, you know, just it's, it's the gold standard for, uh, you know, Belgian strong gold nails. Mm. Um, but I, I think in a lot of ways, in the same way now that you'll see somebody post on social media, oh, I went into a bar, geez, you know, best I could do was Little Creatures Pale Ale, which is a great beer. Yeah. Um, full stop. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess Thomas and yourself and myself, you know, we you can hark back to those days where you wished there was something other than um, your great northern lager style or your your your, your Carlton Draft or your Tui's New or whatever it was, depending on where you were. I haven't heard it for a while, but you know, it, it is interesting to hear, uh, you know, uh, people who have come to craft beer um, in the last, you know, two or three, or who have come to beer in the last two or three years and they've been, um, you know, excited by the flavour of beer um, and they're talking about, 
brew, uh, you know, beers from modern breweries that are versions of a classic style. And when you talk to them about it, they haven't tried the classic style. So that, you know, they're talking about sour beers without ever having tried a classic sour. Um, or they've tried a, a Belgian uh, a beer without ever trying you know, a Belgian uh, you know, dark beer or a, or a double, you know, without having tried Chimay, for example, because oh, it's too commercial. Um, you know, and, and I guess it is to everyone what they know and what they like, um, but I think it always helps going back to some of those classic styles. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, Prof, that's the show for today. Thank you. Uh, good to join uh, with you. Anything? Uh, we're still trying to get... Um, some guests tied up, so we, we might not tease next week. We might just sail on out of here on a little bit of uh, polka music. And we're out.